wealthmanagement.com and WMRE presents Success Zone, a podcast dedicated to bringing the entire spectrum of financial advisors, wealth planners, and commercial real estate investors and innovators together. Through these episodes, you will experience sweeping insights beyond market headlines to help listeners become more savvy about the industry, transform their advisory or real estate practice, enhance their marketing skills, and take their business to the next level. Listen in for a wealth of information that includes remarkable success stories and expert advice from the industry's key players. Hello and welcome. You are listening to The Success Zone from wealthmanagement.com and WMRE. Today we have two guests. One is Vivek Thadani, and he is the head of product strategy at Moody's Analytics CRE. And Louis Amador is general manager of Moody's Analytics CRE. Gentlemen, how are you today? Very well, thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for having us, Eric. Looking forward to our discussion. Great. So glad you're joining us today. We've got a bunch of questions. We're going to get right into it. You ready? Absolutely. All right. Before we tackle changes in the CRE market that professionals need to account for, can you speak a little bit about the history of Moody's Analytics in the commercial real estate space? Moody's Analytics has been investing in commercial real estate since right around 2010. It started with an acquisition of a product called CMM. And from there, we've assembled multiple products, either through acquisition or by organically developing products you know, in the space. So either through the acquiring of companies or, or, or developing new products. The CMN product that we acquired in 2010, that allowed us to, to look at the theory finance part of, of the space. Uh, and what that means is that uh, whenever there is a loan being made from a financial institution to a borrower for a commercial real estate property, that tool will calculate through a series of analytics and looking at historical data, probability of default for that borrower and subsequently that loan. Over time, what we've done since 2010 is expanded the database uh, quite heavily that we use to develop those types of analytics and, and forecasting capabilities. We've expanded nationwide footprint of commercial real estate properties and we have pretty large teams that, that essentially go in and for any one of these properties and does research on them. And the type of research that they do will span everything from fig figuring out what the rents are for, for a particular building or, or a, a specific commercial real estate property, whether it's a building or an industrial property or even vacant land, but also figuring out what are the true vacancy level if as vacancies get filled with new tenants. You know, what's the rate of absorption? We look at everything from what's going inside of a building, inside of a property, for example, who the tenants are, what are the leases, what, when do they expire, everything from what's happening also outside of a property. An example of that would be the demographics, including where income is going, what are the other types of alternative data that, may, that also may, may be used and to help our customers come up with a proper valuation of a commercial real estate property. So we've done a lot over the years since 2010. It started with that CMM product, but we've also evolved it to lending solutions, asset management solutions, and we've also uh, expanded our forecasting capabilities. So when you hear where rents are going in a specific submarket, typically that, that forecasting, rents, vacancies, where are they headed over time, that type of information will typically come from a company like, like us. Vivek, anything to add? Yeah. To tie this back to the overall strategy, when we think about commercial real estate, so the Moody's Analytics wants to be, our goal is to be the global inter integrated risk assessment provider. And just to tie it back to that strategy, over the last 10 years, 
what we've really done is to bring together a lot of CRE assets, as Lewis mentioned, starting off with CRE finance, then going a little bit closer to the actual assets, collecting performance data, um, collecting information on transactions, collecting information on multiple perspectives of a commercial real estate asset, because we think um, that integrated risk assessment, that holistic risk assessment of, of a commercial real estate asset is key to our value proposition to the market. And that's really been the journey that we've been on. In discussions, even before we hit the record button today, I heard you mention alternative dimensions of risk. Can you define that for me? And why is that critical in the market today? Yeah, sure. I can start. And, and you know, when we think about alternative or additional dimensions of risk, you know, what we mean there is that as the market, the world, you know, evolves in the way that they analyze these commercial real estate properties and, and financial instruments to the traditional ways of analyzing. For example, you know, if you're an asset manager and you have a portfolio of commercial real estate properties, no different than you or I having a, a portfolio of stocks or bonds. In a, from a traditional sense, you want to know what's changing in that portfolio, what's changed last month to, to, to what, ha- what changed three months ago, nine months ago, 12 months ago. You want to see those types of deltas. You, you want to understand your exposure, where you may be overexposed to a specific sector type or property type. And you want to understand what's going on anywhere where it may impact the cash flow coming from a commercial real estate property. That's the, the more traditional ways uh, of doing things. And that's table stakes. That never goes away. People do that on, a, on an everyday basis. What we're seeing now, though, is that the digitization happening in the market is empowering customers today, market participants, to be able to do more from an analytical perspective and have more of a, of a data-driven approach. So what we're seeing a lot of demand for is for information on, more information on the tenants in a specific property in order to properly do those those exposures and report on, on where you may be overexposed to a tenant a bit more than you think and getting the alerting when something does change. But what we're seeing in addition to that, we're also seeing that as customers are analyzing those tenants, they want to know things like, are they impacted by supply chain issues? Are, what is the carbon footprint of that property that's being managed or owned by that by that owner that and in your portfolio or customers that are lending to this space they they're actually going deeper into the analysis and asking when we talk about these additional dimensions of risk or alternate dimensions of risk they're asking questions like is there cyber risk is there uh, ESG risk is there climate uh, change impact what catastrophes could potentially happen can we model that out in our scenarios and those could be additional scenarios that our customers um, will run, or they may layer that into their their baseline assumptions. But we're seeing a lot more demand, and that's being driven by stronger models and more essentially available. And the implementation of that data across financial institutions, asset managers, all sorts of lenders, brokers in the space. And you may have answered this in, in your previous answer right there, but how can professionals across CRE intelligently assess these alternative dimensions of risk? Sure, I could take that one. And, and I think that's a really important question. And I do want to build upon what, what Lewis just laid out over there, which is you know, why this is so important. And then we could talk about the way we think the, the market sees it. So if we zoom out, why this is important today is because we live in a world of accelerating change, right? Even before the pandemic, there was technological change, there was uh, market dislocations, and then you layer upon that global macro shock, such as the pandemic which has impacts both on the demand and the supply side differently. 
So what you what we've been hearing from our customers is when there is change, they want to be able to respond with better data, make better data-driven uh, decisions such that their outcomes can be adapted to what's changing in the environment. And you can't really do that if you look at, if you take the traditional view, right? So you need to adapt. And that's where this alternative dimension of risk is really important when you look at an asset or make a financial or a capital decision. And then the way we've seen the market think about data is that two simple buckets, right? There's traditional data, which is think of the data that would help you underwrite a loan, make a capital decision on a property. You look at the rent, you look at the vacancy, you look at the absorption, you look at what's going on in the market. So it's still very important to have a good set of traditional data. Then you have alternative data, which is primarily, you know, when we think of alternative data, it's data that's coming from IoT devices, from sensors, think of foot traffic, uh, think of information about crime, about safety that could all sort of feed in from multiple channels. And that's used to monitor, stay ahead of any sort of real-time change that's going on with the property. There's what we see emerging as a third category, which is insightful data, which will help you decide how you make decisions or what decisions you make on a go-forward basis. So this is where, as Lewis mentioned, when you think about your carbon footprint and when you think about ESG, when you think about the impact of supply chain, that the data that can um, be in that third category of insightful data can dictate what kind of portfolio decisions you make, what your investment mandates are, what, what is your credit policy. And we see a lot of commercial real estate firms at different parts of their journey. Some that are, bit, are at the beginning at the first innings, and there are some that are a lot more advanced, more digitized, that are beginning to use all of these types of data to make much better decisions, to really stay on top of the change. Now, what's, what we see as being really important in the market is to really have an edge, you have to be on top of all of these types of data. There is no one single data set that's going to help you win or one single view that's going to help you win. The market's going to keep changing. And with that change, you need to be working with as much data as possible. Some of it more traditional, some of it more real-time, some of it more strategic. And you need to put all of that together to, to make good decisions. So it's obviously obvious that Moody's Analytics uses this extensive data to help clients take a deeper look at alternate dimensions of risk, but how do you help them mitigate this risk? The, I can start there. And to Vivek's point, it's about how you use the data. Oh. How do you put it in, in, into practice and in, into your daily workflow? So what we've spent and invested a lot into, spent a lot of time and investment into, is to make sure that our tools are viewed as fully integrate risk assessments tools like like Vivek mentioned before. So, you know, the data needs to talk to each other, right, in order for you to be able to, to use it. And if you're coming into the office in the morning and you if you're going to go and, and, and if you have to open up 20 tabs and, and click through all of those tabs to ultimately come up with an assessment or an analysis or valuation for a commercial real estate property, that's highly inefficient. So what we've done is that we've made sure that, that we have a single data foundation, that ultimately our insights are powered by the use of that single data foundation. So as different data sets come into our data foundation, they, they essentially are made available for insights, for analytics, and all of our workflow tools that we're producing 
in a fully integrated way by offering them not only the, the raw data that we and then curating that data, making sure that data is at a, at a higher accuracy level than pure raw data, but also by us focusing on using that data to write insights and to talk about how we're using the data and also how that data informs our analytical models, like our PV model, our models and how we fork the different variables. Ultimately, that data in a seamless way has to go into your workflow solution. So you can go to one place or at least take the 20 down to two or three instead of having 20 things in front of you, making your day highly inefficient. So that's where we think that we're helping our customers mitigate risk by by saving them time and effort needing, needed to essentially work with this much data, having it available in a central place within everything that we offer. That framework, as Lewis laid out, is, is so important. And you know, when we see it put into practice, that's when we really see um, a lot of clients really appreciate the value of having this all together. And maybe I could provide a real-life example. So if rewinding back to the beginning of the pandemic, when we, we, were, we were working with a large brokerage house and we worked extensively with the broker with our data sets. And we were talking to them about this model that we, had, we have been building for the last few years, which really evaluates the value of a location, of any given location across the country. And when you think about the value of a location, we all know it instinctively. We know our neighborhoods. We know what's a good neighborhood and a bad neighborhood. But when you try to think about using data to tell you about a place you've never been to, if that's a good or bad neighborhood, that's been a challenge so far. So we've been working on this model that really scores and informs what the value of parcel down to a single parcel is in the context of a neighborhood, in the context of a market. And we were talking to this large brokerage house in the early days of the pandemic, where one of their problems that they were trying to face was we were all in lockdown. They, they couldn't, they, their brokers couldn't go out there and visit properties to assess the value of the location because that's very important when they want to communicate that out to clients, whether through the listings, whether through the marketing. And what they were working with us on was how do we use that model such that for the brokers that couldn't go out there and make those site visits, that couldn't go out there and assess the location, use the data to provide them the same insight that they would get from, from walking the block. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it turned out to be a really insightful conversation. It turned out to be really useful to them because they could continue doing business, providing the value their clients expected to, even though they were restricted with regards to actually going to the place. They were actually using a lot of data to communicate the value of a location. And that's just one example of where we've seen some firms really adapt and begin to use alternative data to be able to communicate the value of commercial real estate in, in new ways, in new and pretty exciting ways. Yeah, that's an excellent example. Can you talk a little bit more about why it's important to combine traditional and new types of risk assessment and how Moody's Analytics is doing this? And even beyond that, how unique are all of these capabilities to Moody's Analytics and why are you uniquely positioned to provide them in a way that other companies aren't? Sure. And maybe I could start just to talk about why is it important to combine traditional and new types? I, I think that's a very profound question. And we see everyone, you see a lot of market participants trying to get their hands around alternative risk assessment and baking that into the existing process. And what's really the underlying driver is one of the key drivers is the, is the volume of data available today. It's a given that we have a lot more data that we have today than we did a year ago. And it's very likely 
almost certain we will have far more data a year from now than we have. It's important for customers and for clients to learn this at scale, to, to build, to almost build that muscle. How do you process alternative data? Because it's going to, it's going to become, it's going to get more and more important in the future. And it's going to provide more and more valuable information as it begins to stream real time, as you get a lot more sensors, you get a lot more devices picking up data. Baking that into your traditional process or processes that use traditional data is going to be more and more important. And this is a journey I think we as an industry, commercial real estate as an industry is collectively on. And we're working hand in hand with a lot of customers trying to understand what matters to them using that feedback loop to, to ensure that we build our products with that in mind. We really want to work with them to understand where the puck is going such that we can all be on this journey together. Yeah, and if I could add to that, the, it isn't that traditional approaches or methodologies are extinct in any way. Actually, many of them work extremely well, but we're in the world that we live in today, given what's going on everywhere, whether it's the pandemic or, or different types of risks that, are, are, that we've needed to account for over time that we didn't have to account for or didn't have the ability to account for 10 years ago. Our customers are always asking us, or always telling us that we need to expect the unexpected in the way that we are are analyzing our decisions and monitoring our portfolios, whether they're lending or, or managing a, or asset managing a portfolio of assets. It isn't that the traditional is is extinct. It's far from that. Is that the traditional continues to work in a way that it's looking for more scenarios, more ways of actually evolving. The, the framework, that's what we're seeing today. Essentially, customers saying, hey, I've got a baseline scenario, but I want to account for the tail risk, or I want to account for the upside scenario that, that we didn't account for before. Maybe I want to be more opportunistic in the way I look at things. But there are so many factors now that, that like Vivek said, that, that there's available data for everything from foot traffic information, from, from what the cost could increase by in getting to a, a carbon neutral environment, whether that impacts permits or that impacts other related costs in order to retrofit properties, that is something that that our customers, whether they're a large institution or a mid-sized institution or a small institution, we're seeing that level of sophistication increase. And we're seeing that implementation of data, but people want it in a way where it's, where it's integrated, not, not dislocated. And because if it's dislocated, it's just much harder uh, to make it all work together. And we believe that by by making sure that they that customers evolve the traditional methods along with using these additional dimensions of risk, that, that they're in a better position to mitigate that risk going forward. And another aspect of, of it too is it, it all this data doesn't mean that the value of the relationship diminishes in any way. So if what we hear from customers is we prioritize the relationship that we have with our borrowers and the performance history of those borrowers or the ability for uh, certain property managers to operate properties and, and that we're investing in. So the relationship is still a big part of, of the equation. It's the relationship plus the traditional approaches plus the new approaches, these alternative dimensions of risk that are being incorporated in a much more sophisticated way. All right. I think our listeners, like any listener, is going to like examples and stories. So do you have another example of what you're hearing from your customers about alternative dimensions of risk? Yeah, I have one and that I could talk about it. just a few months ago. And I remember uh, going down to visit a customer. And I always ask at, during a dinner or, or a lunch or, or in-person meeting, I never leave a meeting without asking 
you know, what, what's on your mind? What's top of mind? Where are the pain points? What are you thinking about these days? And the responses are just so much different than they were a year ago, uh, two years ago, especially if you compare now to five years ago. And this one customer said, I've got a large portfolio of loans that my institution has provided capital to, has lent multi-billion dollar portfolio. And I'm struggling to, to just find out what's my exposure to CVS, one of, one of the tenants that, that are in, in multiple, multiple properties across the nation. And, and it, it really struck me that you could have uh, data, whether it's, you may know that the, the tenant CVS may be in 1,000, in 2,000, 3,000 different properties across the nation. But in order to make sure that you're rolling up that, that information in a way where it's consumable, you have to normalize, for example, the, the, the taxon so that CVS expelled the same across um, the whole portfolio in order to get that true exposure or have a unique ID in order to do it. And it just really struck me that something that basic was something that a, a large a lender was struggling with. And, and the time it takes to actually, to actually get that, that answer back was, it takes me multiple days to get that exposure uh, versus getting it instantaneously. So that's something that we we pride ourselves in that we focus on the on that normalization of the terms and the company names, and we're able to then give you true exposures. But the, what the customer uh, told us, in addition, that he worries about uh, cyber risk in that portfolio. He worries about supply chain risk. Mm-hmm. Are my tenants impacted by supply chain? And and we're, we've all been hearing uh, more and more stories in our everyday lives about supply chain risk. And he also worries about climate change and what impact that could have on cost, whether it's insurance costs or costs to, to improve properties, to make capital improvements, or just in your everyday costs from a tax perspective. These dimensions were, are, were, were are dimensions that obviously we've been thinking more about and it's top of mind for, for our customers. And if I can add to, to what Lewis said, because that, that example he gave captures so many dimensions we hear about from customers. And there are uh, two key pieces in addition to, to what the ask was. And as Lewis said, it's not just data volume, right? It's data quality. And we spend a lot of time, a lot of advanced technology to ensure that the data is in a state that you can process it. Because if it isn't, then you're not going to be able to do that. And we hear how our clients use that data at scale. So it's very important that we work with them to make sure that they're getting the most value out of it. And the second dimension that's really important, just with that example about, about CVS or any other tenant, the reason why that's so important for our customers is they don't want to they want to be ahead of the curve they don't want to wait for say yeah a big report to to break in the news and then they go back you know to work and do the analysis and it takes a few days and then at that point that's when they can react what they're asking us and where they're asking us to go is to work is to ensure that our products can respond and help them adapt at the speed at which news becomes available so when there's a story about a tenant being able to use that signal connected to the data that we have and provide some intelligence or provide some analytics in their workflow is where they're asking us to go all instantaneously, right? So that's our mission. That's where we want to go. And that's where our clients see the most value in working with us. Yeah, absolutely. That was fantastic. Uh, I just can't tell you how valuable this was. Unfortunately, we're out of time today, guys. So Lewis and Vivek, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having us on. We enjoyed it.
And our last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Success Zone podcast from wealthmanagement.com and WMRE. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when we come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. Do yourself a favor and share this podcast with people in your office so you can all learn together. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at wealthmanagement.com and WMRE, this is Eric Johnson reminding you that when you listen, learn, and grow, you'll find yourself in the success zone, which I think you'll agree is a great place to be. See you next time. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of wealthmanagement.com and WMRE. The mere appearance of content on the site does not constitute an endorsement by wealthmanagement.com or WMRE. The content has been made available for information and educational purposes only. Wealthmanagement.com and WMRE do not make any representation or warranties with respect to accuracy, applicability, fitness, or completeness of the content or of any sites listed or linked to the content. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.